HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. Oh, wait, Lou, what the hell are you doing? What's that you're pouring into? It's, you know, it's an old mustard jar. Connie loves mustard, so we have a ton of these old jars sitting around. Are you crazy? But it's shaped all wrong, Lou. It's shaped, it's got a bottom and four sides, Shava. What more does it need? Uh, we've talked about this more than once, Lou. The shape of what you drink out significantly affects the flavors you experience from your mezcal or your agave spirits. Like, uh, how, can you, how can you ruin this? Have you ever experienced it with jicaras? Well, of, of course I have. I, had, I used to have a house full of copitas and jicaras. The problem, Chava, is I gave them all away. I've got so many friends, and they couldn't find copitas where they lived, so I... I I helped them out. So generous. But I, there's a solution for that, Ludo. For you and your friends, it's called mezcalforlife.com. You can drink out of something called mezcalforlife.com? <laughs> Not yet, Lou. Technology hasn't gone that far. But it's a website, and they sell you copitas, vasos de veladoras, other traditional and fancy drinking vessels for traditional and fancy mezcal spirits. Or agave spirits, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> so I can tell Connie to stop eating so much mustard? Well, I don't know if that's actually a wise move, Lou. <laughs> but going to mezcalforlife.com and buying some new copitas? Yes, Coven, that's a wise move. Mezcalforlife.com can help you find the perfect drinking vessel for your perfect agave spirit. Head to mezcalforlife.com and you can be set for next week's episode of Agave Road Trip, sponsored by mezcalforlife.com. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you in part by Just Egg. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, it's so good, I feel guilty eating it. What I say is, thank you, Just Egg, for giving me back the egg on burger experience. Several months into this pandemic, I had heart palpitations that led me to a cardiologist. My cardiologist, Steve, because the best cardiologist let you call them Steve, said I had to go on a vegan diet to get my cholesterol under control. Pairing Just Egg with a plant-based burger, it's like nothing is changed except my blood pressure so when i say agave road trip is brought to you in part by just egg what i mean is literally i am the part of agave road trip that is brought to you by just egg thank you just egg for saving my heart 
This is Lou Bank, and before I ever went on any agave road trips, I was taking daily trips on the G-Line from Manhattan to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where I lived with a couple of my Marvel Comics co-workers. Where we lived then is about four blocks from where Duke's Liquor Box is located now. Where was Duke's in 1989? We sure could have used it back then. Back then, you couldn't even find decent beer. But now, man, now if I were thirsty for something obscure, like, say, I don't know, a gin made with guava and passion fruit, I'd go to Duke's Liquor Box. Haitian bitters? You thirsty for Haitian forest bitters? Hey, go to Duke's. How about heirloom tomato eau de vie? I didn't even know what that was in the 1980s. But Duke's? Duke's has that. Duke's has small batch distilled gems like LA-1 whiskey, or if you want to drink like a druid, grab a bottle of their Glendalock Pot Still Irish Whiskey, aged in sustainably harvested 140-year-old Irish oak barrels and ex-bourbon barrels. Or, what's that you say? Does Duke's have agave spirits? Well, of Of course they do. Duke's Liquor Box prides itself on their selection of fine spirits and wines, so you'll find rare, delicious treasures like Cinco Sentidos Tobola, Tozba, Pechuga Mezcal, and Siembra Valle Ancestral Tequila Blanco. Duke's Liquor Box has everything you want, including a selection of New York spirits from their locals' only shelf. The only thing they don't have? That's a guy named Duke. So don't ask for Duke when you visit Duke's Liquor Box at 114 Franklin in the heart of Greenpoint. You can also shop online at dukesliquorbox.com. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. Who are you? John McAvoy. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, Chava, we have our first actual live guest. Yes, this is uh, a tremendous experience because I get to chill out and don't have to fight with you the whole episode. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I get get to fight with somebody else. I get to fight with John McAvoy, Dr. John McAvoy, Mezcal PhD, the author of Holy Smoke. I received, so we did, we did an episode of Agave Road Trip um, uh, called Tequila versus Mezcal. And I received from John an email where I had it right in front of me. I had it right in front of me. Is it gone? Here it is. I'm going to quote you, John, just so you can't claim that you've got a different intention here today, okay? Oh, I'm proud of it. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) So, my well-intentioned podcast critique is, this is my voice for you, John, (laughs) is that you are saying you are trying to give gringo bartenders the quick answer, and I think you left out the most important part. I always say three things productions process, agaves, and what states you can make it in. You hit two of three, but when it comes to bartenders talking to the uninitiated, the smoky profile is perhaps the most important thing, which is a function of production technique. Nevertheless, love agave road trip. I threw that last part even. You did write that though, right? I did? Uh, No, I didn't. I think you made that part up. (laughs) So John, this, welcome to Tequila versus Mezcal round two. You felt that mezcal or tequila, maybe both, um, needed a um, an advocate. So hit me. 
I guess you did hit me with that well, email. I, I did. I did. And, and, you know, I do love Agave Road Trip. Let's be clear. Um, but I listened to, you know, the 10 or 15 minutes you guys were talking about it. And of course, you guys, you know, usually hit all the right notes, uh, but you Suck spent up. 10 or 15 minutes, usually, <laughs> and you, for some reason, you you talked about the differences between tequila and mezcal for 10 or 15 minutes, and you never mentioned the production techniques. And I was, I was astounded by that. Well, to be fair, Lacks. we actually did. We mm. did. Mm, we talked about mm. about what the actual um, uh, regulations are around the production techniques, and this is to mm-hmm. me, it's like it's the salient point um, to mezcal. I shouldn't say the salient point. It is the point at which I get frustrated by the regulations. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so you talk about smoky, but the truth is there are some tequilas, some tequilas. No, there are some tequilas that aren't smoky, and there are some mezcals that aren't smoky. Is that correct? Mm, Well, clearly an overly smoky mezcal is not a good mezcal, right? I would say that's a poorly- I would disagree, but go ahead. An overly smoky mezcal is not a poorly made mezcal? Really? Yeah, correct. I I would say that that's not accurate. Now, I I would say, because look, every time I think, I think we even did an an episode on this very thing. It it just hasn't appeared yet, John. Um, Every time that I think I can say something is absolutely true, I find something to prove prove that Mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you there are some communities where the mescalero, that's the flavor they like. That's what they're shooting for. They make a smoky mezcal, and 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 while it's nothing that I, well, I shouldn't even say that I, I that I like. I can't taste smoke anymore. I, I make too much barbecue in my backyard. I like I, I I would not say that that's a poorly made mezcal. But even if it's a poorly made mezcal, even if you said that, it's still mezcal. It still passes the CRM's test, Correct. right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So now keep going. Sorry. All right. So and and again, I think like you just said, I I. I tend to generalize as well when I say things like that. Have I had a super smoky mezcal that I thought was good? I'm sure I have. Um, but in general, I find if they're if they are too smoky, there's some other flaws going on as well. Uh, so when I think about what you guys are doing, and I think about how you're billing your podcast um, as an education to people who might not know about a lot about mezcal, I think sometimes you guys know too much. You guys can run circles around pretty much everybody uh, with knowledge. Uh, no, true, uh, true. I mean, as much time as you guys spent there, you, you can certainly do it. No, no. Kill no, me. I, <laughs> no doubt about it. I think Chava's concern was you just inflated my ego. I think that was the sound you heard coming out of ah. Chava. Yeah, no, don't do that, John. Don't do that, John. <laughs> but sometimes you know too much, and so you get into the nuance and you miss the big picture. And that's what I, what I found when I listened to that podcast you miss the big picture. And if you don't mention the word smoke or smoky, yes, those aren't the things that we who are deep in mezcal look for. We look past them. When we're drinking mezcal, I don't taste the smoke. I only taste the smoke in a mezcal if I haven't had mezcal for several weeks, which kind of never happens. (laughs) But if it did, I would taste the smoke again. So we're always finding the things that are beyond it. But to people who aren't used to mezcal, it's like the defining characteristic, I would argue. Yeah, but I, I think that something that was in the back of my mind through the whole episode was the, the Siembra project. 
Mm-hmm. You know, CM, uh, and he's doing hand milling. David Suro? David Suro, CM Press Project. He's doing yeah. hand milling. He's doing copper batch distillation. Process-wise, yeah. it's almost identical to, to mezcal. And I think that's going to be more and more the case with tequila. Like ca- once. Casca, cascaween, right? Isn't cascaween doing pit cooking? I, I'm not tremendously sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. And what I yeah. think is that that is going to be more often the case in the tequila context once the the mezcal really... Because people say the boom has already happened. I don't think so. I think we're still five years away from, you know, going to Manila or going to to. to Colombia or going to certain or, places or, or going to Arkansas, <laughs> like, like, right. Yeah. Like there's lots of places in the USA. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Lots of places in Mexico where it's still not there. So, so, so I think process wise, even if I will absolutely agree with you that right now, the way 99% of the tequilas are made is drastically different to the mezcal yes. on principle. I will claim that that it's prompt to start merging more and more. I think that tequilas, might, we might start seeing more tequilas that are try to emulate process-wise mm. the traditions of mezcal. Yeah. And, and I, I think, at least for me, that's my excuse, I guess uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, the- <laughs> no, I get it. And, and But uh, so David Suro, I know David Suro, I know Siembra. I know, and I know- you, sir, are no Siembra. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, and, but I don't know what you just said. And, and that, you know, about how, what his process is. So, and that gets, that gets to my point that you got, you guys, oh. you, you <laughs> fell into my trap, Chava. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you guys know more oh, and you know no. that nuance. <laughs> so easy. To a very deep level and to the average person. It, well, I, to be fair, I did say Coscoween is pit cooking, right? I did say they're pit cooking. I just heard, but, but that's a tequila that I just heard about like two weeks ago. I just, you know, I never even heard about it and somebody brought it to my attention and I'm, you know, I'm always kind of looking around. So, okay, it's maybe I was asleep at the wheel. It's so good. Is it? It's so good. No, 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 you're so right. Uh, and that's... Uh, that no less about You know, Mescal this is you? why I should start hanging out with more people. No, he just needs to hang out with more people. He has like three friends and I'm one of <laughs> well, them. Well, and, and that, that... Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, so I think it's, I think what you're saying um, is a valid point. I think we can help bartenders. I think we can help gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico by saying to them, look, the vast majority of tequila is made in a way that is industrial and is not going to be smoky, though there will be exceptions. And the vast majority of mezcal, because the agave is often cooked in this earthen oven that sometimes still has some smoky embers in it, that it will often taste smoky, though it won't always taste smoky. I think that is helpful because you're, you're, you're not wrong. Like somebody's going to sit down at that bar and say, well, what's the difference between tequila and mezcal? And probably like, rather than talk about all of the, um, uh, the regulations that we talked about, the bartender's just going to say, well, that one's smoky and that one's not. Uh, I, I think you're right. And I think that the, like, I don't know, an entry-level mezcal, which is usually where I think a bartender would start. They're probably not going to pour a, you know, a 50% El Holgorio mm-hmm. Tepestate when somebody is, hey, tell me about mezcal. They're going to pour, you know, a, a 40% or low 40s, 
Buo, Illegal, Sombra, something like that. And all those are very light smoke mezcals, I think by design. And I think that's where, so I, I don't know an entry-level mezcal brand. That, Zignum. That's not a mezcal. We could talk about that. Okay, but this is exactly, you know, this is, this is literally, this is literally <laughs> hey, my point. Hey, hey, hey don't, get, is, don't get aggressive. This is literally my point, is it is mezcal. It is by definition mezcal. Yes. It is certified as mezcal. And the vast majority of the men and women that you and I love who make these beautiful spirits by hand and cook the agave underground, stone-lined earthen oven, the vast majority of those, those men and women cannot certify their spirits as mezcal because they can't afford to. They rely on gringos or Mexican politicians who are brand owners to do the certification, at which point they become uh, kind of sort of not really, but kind of sort of indentured servants to those brand owners. And it frustrates me to no end that you can have those gringos owning the brands the Mexicans can't, right? The men and women making the spirits can't, and... And as a result, you get a brand like Zignum that isn't, and I, I, I've got no qualm with Zignum. I think I've said this in several episodes. I do. But, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. we can get to that next. But the point is, like, yeah. they're certified. And they're not smoking it underground. They're not doing things in a difficult way. And yet the families that are aren't able to use the word mezcal. Yeah, I, and that's a, a frustration that is well-deserved. I understand. Right. And and so for me, just just saying it's all smoky kind of says, well, I, I'll try this Zignum then and it, it'll be smoky. And maybe a person tastes smoke in it and maybe they don't. There isn't any smoke in the process. Um, but I don't want, I don't think it's fair for that family to not be able to use the word mezcal. And then the the credit of all of that hard work is given to a brand that doesn't do the hard work. I totally agree with you. But would you ever introduce someone to mezcal with Zignum? Yes. As a matter of fact, like this is, you yeah, would? this is great. So, so um, I, I was just talking. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I did. Yeah, his witchcraft. His Thank witchcraft. you, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm truly sorry for this, John. I did. Oh, I Lord. did. I think, God, I think I even said this in the, maybe I didn't. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, the, don't go through the whole story. Just say, you've used this many times. Yeah, I've used the story many times. So Zignum, I poured it as one of 10 spirits in my Mezcal 101 session at Tales of the Cocktail. And um, and one of the attendees came running up to me afterwards, gave me $1,000 for Sacred, right, for the nonprofit that I run mm -hmm. that helps to improve quality of life in the rural Mexican mm -hmm. communities where heritage agave spirits are made. Gave me $1,000 and later, and then later gave me another $2,000 as a donation. <laughs> and then later told me on the phone that her favorite spirit of that day was Zignum. Well, you, you, that, that's because it tastes like a tequila and, 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 you know, an uninitiated palate might be attracted exactly, to that. Which is and, exactly how yes. I would pull somebody along the trail of drinking mezcal. I absolutely would but and I, have mm -hmm. used Zignum. I, you know, and, and in a setting like that, I could see, you know, putting um, Zygnum in the mix. I mean, when I do tastings with people at home, I purposefully, you know, occasionally I'll do like blind tastings and I purposely put in some real crap mezcal just to say, say okay, you know, let's try all these. And then invariably um, people mm. have identified the crap mezcal as, oh, whatever that is, it's terrible. <laughs> and for the most part, these are fr friends of mine who know what mezcal tastes right. like. But, you know, you kind of use it as um, 
you know, something uh, to differentiate against the rest of the crowd. So I could see where you might put a Zygnum in there, but it's Mescal in, in, you know, according to the nom, it's Mescal. Were you going to go with in name only? It's Mino? Yeah, in in name only. In name only. It's like, it's not Mescal. Well, no. To your point, John, you know, I I was living in Vietnam for a bit and I grew obsessed with pho. You know, for the the soup, the Vietnamese uh, soup. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was in a neighborhood where I only had access to the greatest fall I've had in my lifetime. It was just so delicious, so great. But I didn't understand at all what fall was because it was so good, so overwhelming that I never had the time to actually sit down and really think hard about it. And it was not until I went to a touristic place and I had the worst fall that I had in my life that I was able to understand why the other things were so great. And, and and I think that a lot of the understand do you un- hmm. I think you learn more through flawed things than through perfect things hmm. because I think perfection I like that it, it's just overwhelming it, it just doesn't allow you to to right. to to use your usual rationale to to bear which with is it. why we take the approach we do to this podcast if it were too perfect people Absolutely. wouldn't learn things yeah that's where we're fundamentally flawed <laughs> uh but oh it's far from perfect you're leaving out production when you're talking about tequila and mezcal <laughs> yeah yeah no but you, you know you know what also i i i think uh that might also be a strategy that i've used in the past where it's almost ignoring an elephant in the room to probably give importance to another mm-hmm. area that it's not, I think, such aggressively explored. And that, I think, creates more questions to people. Where, why if usually this is where the argument starts, why are they starting from a different perspective? And I, because I do think it is really important to rethink which are the defining characteristics of something and, and anything that, that we talk about. And in the case of agave spirits, I, I do fun, like do agree that the smokiness of it, uh, when I started having gringo friends in Oaxaca, they will always refer to, to mezcal as the smoky thing. And that was something that I had never mm. thought of. Like when, when right. I was 18 and I was drinking that in Mexico, the last thing that I thought in my mind was smoke. It was not until a third party told me that their palate and their experience and their context informed them that the defining characteristic of that spirit was smoke that I would start thinking about that. So I think we're also at a good time to reframe that, to reframe those defining characteristics. And by doing that, I think you can also grasp some of the of, of the complexities that are ingrained in, in the spirit. And that might be a super almost political agenda on my side. I don't know if actually Lou agrees with this at all, but uh, it, it, it's something that I find very exciting in, in the way to move forward because otherwise... Uh, at least personally, every time I, I, I'm in a tasting uh, environment, it gets a little bit dull. You know, I, I, I want to juggle different balls every time and I want to take it for, from different places. And unfortunately, I, I do agree with you that sometimes it's not educationally the best approach because we end up so deep into the weeds and so deep into minuscule stuff that uh but just hard to discuss with this kid and 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 uh and not get into that like that that's also my excuse <laughs> i completely get it so okay so so if, is this made you happy john we 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 said smoky like is it can we say it a few more times can you can you say it just a few more times and, and by the by the way i think we all cringe when we hear people say things like 
oh, Mescal is tequila's smoky cousin or something like that. We're, we're all like, because it's so much more. Yeah, not if they say sm- if they say smoking hot cousin. I think that's funny. Oh, okay. so I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. So we cringe when we hear that. But and I'm sure you guys have introduced a million people to Mescal. And I have as well, you know. <laughs> well, uh, like 12, I doubt it. But yeah. uh, and you know, one of the first people are like, "What? You know, what? Oh, I drink tequila. What's the difference? You know, a pour, pour. Well, taste it. And even the lightest smoke mezcal, these entry level type things that I mentioned, people. Oh, it's. I, I don't even think it's smoky at all. And they're like, "Oh, it's so smoky." And that reminds me, and should remind all of us in the mezcal world that. Man, the smoke really is such a defining characteristic. We just all look past it now because our palate's searching for other things. And we, it, we don't taste the smoke for the most part. Yeah, we're blinded. And I'm dead in the inside. Like when they ask me, how, how, what's the ABB of this? I just go like good or bad. Like I don't, I don't even think about if it's high or low anymore. I'm just like, it has the right ABB for this expression. That's it. <laughs> Do you- do you ever get the question, what's the difference between mezcal and bacanora? No. And raicilla, never. And uh, iscateco, almost never. So tall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so tall. So tall, maybe sometimes. Uh, I, I think a cousin of mine mentioned that, but uh, yeah, it's not, not not a common one. Okay, I think I think we've I think we've beaten this horse to death. <laughs> All right, so uh, so I want to know if you're on board with me. You know, are you on board? If you're if you're if you were to redo your <laughs> original podcast, <laughs> this is a test: tequila versus mezcal. Would you bring the word smoke and production techniques more prominently into the mix? I would. I would. Yeah, I play. Victory. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would. I think oh, I, I. But I think. I think I used. I think I used the analogy of you know one. Well, yeah. I, you know, I think I might have explained the results of the pre-industrial methods a little bit more. I think that's fair. Well, uh, and, and the result mm-hmm. being smoke, but I wouldn't put an emphasis on it. I really wouldn't. And and it's it's again it's because like it's it's not that I. Um, it's not that I don't recognize that people are going to taste it as smoky. It's because I don't think it's as relevant uh, in the conversation. Hmm. Okay. If you're introducing people to mezcal, someone who's never tried it, and let's say they are a tequila drinker, what do you say? That first person, that person you meet at a bar, you know, what What do you, what, hey, oh, you're, you, Lou Bank, you know, I've heard you know something about mezcal. What's the difference? Well, what I do, if and I'm in a bar where they don't have any? No, well, let's say they have some. Let's say they have, you know, a, a nice selection from from you know entry level cocktail to you know great stuff. So for me, literally, the way I introduce people, almost in fact, not even introduce people, people who are already like sleeping with mezcal, <laughs> I will still the first conversation I tend to have with them is about how to taste it, and mm-hmm. and so it starts with those tiny sips. Actually, not it yep. starts with the smell, right? Sniffing it and then sniffing it on your hands and then ta- like clearing your palate. It's doing that walkthrough because to me that allows me to talk about. God, it's really interesting you say this because I hadn't even thought about this as a defense to my argument. But um, <laughs> when I when I am walking people through it that way, nobody has ever said to me smoky ever, and and 
Instead, the conversation that we have is about the sugars from the agave. It's about the agave. It's about comparing the sugars in the agave and all the molecular elements in, in that uh, particular plant to all the elements in grapes and in grains and all these other um, uh, sugar sources that are used to make alcohol. And that's, ev that's everything. I can't think of a single time when somebody stopped me and said, Smokey. Until maybe yeah. maybe at the end. No, no, no. But but you no. know what, Lou? I think this also fits from your shock value preference. Uh, I think even if they want to say smoky, you immediately take the conversation to another place because you just have that reflex. And uh, maybe you just want to talk about the things that you find more interesting and just don't let people talk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note i think we should wrap this i really do i really do appreciate the feedback john um you know that it's been fun you know it's been fun and i can debate this stuff all day long hey man it's so, so much better to debate it when we're drinking absolutely yeah okay we're gonna call it a wrap full pleasure hasta pronto Adios, thank you this has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.